1: That's BlueNile.com.
0: This podcast is a Royfield brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, Anna. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain standing for the singing of our national anthem...
2: Britain is just a small island that no one pays attention to. A
0: former colony won the right to determine its own destiny.
3: Hello and welcome to Mid-Atlantic, the show where we look at the news and the views from one side of the Atlantic from the perspective of the other. My name is Royfield Brown and I'm ably assisted by my two brothers from another mother. Over in Dublin we have Mick Wright, kind of pundit and all-round lovely person and equally as wonderful over in Connecticut in the US of A we have Rob Monaco. Hello gentlemen.
2: Hey, Hello. hey! Good, good, I'm good. I'm trying to pond today. That's um, good.
3: Well, I know you were getting somewhat touchy last time. You're thinking that I don't love you, Mick. Now, considering that initially I said to you, it must have been about eighteen months ago or a year ago. I can't remember. Let's do a podcast together, and you never got back to me.
2: And then you were saying, then you're saying, Ooh. I don't love you. Hmm. Well, this has started well this week. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to uh, let's move on to Islamic militants and kidnapping. That'll, that'll really, that that really that that's sort of less contentious.
0: <laughs>
2: Crowds like these from New York to London rallied yesterday demanding that the terrorist group, Boko Haram, bring back our girls, imploring the Nigerian government to take some sort of action.
1: You know that phrase uh, is
3: now becoming a a, a call for action, bring back our girls has ignited across social media, calling attention to a story that has been largely overlooked for a couple of weeks, uh, at least until now. Bring back our girls has focused the world's attention on Boko Haram. Will this outrage help deal a death blow to the group? Why don't we start with you, Mick Wright, over in Dublin
2: um no um i think it's good that people are taking an interest but i think ultimately uh, the only thing that's going to really sort the situation out there is an improvement in the activities of the government and and the military over there in truly facing up to what boko haram are doing and it is in terms of the hashtag campaign stuff, you know, we've had we had similar things in the past uh, around the Iranian elections a few years ago, and I suppose it's good in improving our general awareness in the West of the situations there, but I don't think um, lads bombing around in um, pickup trucks with uh, machine guns on the back are going to be that bothered about the uh, what's trending.
3: Mr. Monaco, um surely the nigerian government needs help uh because for no other reason than there's porous borders there's chad there's Nigeria. you know these girls could be anywhere and i suppose at least it's good that this hashtag campaign has focused uh the world's political uh leaders to the issue
1: yeah and it's good that i mean people in you know this country at least are starting to become at least familiar with nigeria as a you know powerhouse in sub-saharan africa but the problem is is that while it's while it's great that people are aware of it they are only vaguely aware of it as trending on Twitter. You know what does it mean to bring back her girls? Where do they? Why? Why were they taken in the first place? What is this guy whose first name is Good Luck? Why does he dress? You know, like 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 uh, like Run DMC. What What is going <laughs> on over there? <laughs> and, and 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 I feel that. You know, with the media fine I mean, look, it's great that the media finally picked up on it. I mean, it's this has been going on for a couple of weeks now and it was oddly quiet for a while. Um, so it's good that this is happening. But the bad news is that I, I there's this feeling that Boko Haram will make an excellent replacement for Al Qaeda in the minds of every kind of terrorist fearing Person around the world that doesn't understand the roots of this organization,
3: Mister Wright. Um, what happens if we don't find our girls? If we can't bring them back, what happens?
2: The situation continues to be as naughty and troublesome as it as it has been for many many years. And I, I think that the, the truth of the matter is this will drop out of the news eventually, as 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 all stories that aren't that aren't. Uh, you know european or american tend to do in in, in the long term you know I, I tell
3: you that for me this is one of the key things about this story and i don't know, overlabor over labor this point but um we've talked about this in a previous show talking about you know how many americans need to die for a story you know to get kind of coverage the fact that this is sub-saharan africa um it, it, this does almost feel like a, 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 a watershed moment in that it's got such um, exposure. Um, Rob, looking at the American domestic situation, the right seem to be blaming Hillary for this. Um, <laughs> since when have Republicans been bothered about sub-Saharan Africa?
1: Yeah, well, you know what? I, I will say this. That if there is anywhere in the world that President Bush has a lasting legacy, it's it's Africa. They they love him there because of all the work he did with HIV and um, promoting mo- um, more age ed awareness, education, money. So I, I mean, he did a lot of good things in Africa. It's you know we could debate over what he did elsewhere, but in Africa at least, it's good. Um, I saw on the news today that, you know, Fox News was debating over, you know, the the kind of the self-righteousness of liberals to feel good about, you know, liking something on Facebook or the hashtag. And you have uh, George Wall out there saying, you know, well, you know, you feel good about, you know, these barbarians in Nigeria because you like to hashtag or uh, I don't even know what he was talking about. But I don't understand how you can blame. Anybody in this country for what's happening over there. And in fact, gentlemen, I'm going to shift the blame on Britain. I'm doing it right now. I'm 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 making a controversial statement right here, live on this not live podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh
3: do you, do you want to answer for Britain or shall I? Uh
2: I am going to say that, that Rob is Probably fair to say that. I mean, we. <laughs> oh,
1: really? Oh, I didn't expect you to say that.
2: The thing about the thing about Nigeria—it's a country of. Uh, uh, right, you know, over 174 million people. And when we left, we—I mean, what British colonization did was it imposed um, a state where there really wasn't a state as such. You know, it's—it was a place of kingdoms and empires. You've got so many different ethnic groups there. 500. You know, I mean, there are three main ethnic groups, but there's 500 in total. I mean, it's no wonder it's a mess of a country.
1: (laughs) I mean, and, and Royfield, you know, in the media, Boko Haram, it's always translated as Western education is forbidden, but it doesn't necessarily translate to that. What they're implying, this goes back to the colonial days where if you wanted to make it a Nigerian society, you had to have attended one of these British elite educational societies, if you didn't, you're on your own in a sense, and and that that Boko part kind of translates into this non-Nigerian, non-traditional, this foreign kind of way of doing things. So yes, I ultimately, it, you know, it's you guys' fault. Sorry. But
2: then the other point to remember, though, is that it is, it is an Islamic, it is an Islamic group, and it, you know, it's it's one of its key reasons for being is that it's wanted to establish an Islamic state in, in northern Nigeria so uh, that's a, maybe a slightly you know it's, 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 a, it's an offshoot of the, the same the, uh, some of the same issues we've had with any of these Islamist groups across the world you know you can get the, it, it's almost like Islamism has become, it's, it's a kind of uh, it's, it's, it's the religious equivalent of the McDonald's franchise here you know <laughs>
3: The Supreme Court in a 5 4 decision today ruled that local governments can open town meetings with a prayer, even if the prayer giver explicitly represents one religion. Marsha Coyle of the National Law Journal was in the courtroom this morning and she's back with us tonight. So remind us what this we've talked about this on this
2: program before we this did. case. Remind us what the conflict was. Sure. Uh, two residents of the town of Greece, New York filed a constitutional challenge in 2008 to the town board's opening of its meetings with prayer. The resi- these two residents claimed that the prayers were almost exclusively Christian in nature and that violated the First Amendment's prohibition uh, about on, on government establishing a religion. The lower federal appellate court here agreed with them. They said the overwhelming Christian nature of the prayers for nearly a decade gave the appearance of government Government endorsing religion which violates the First Amendment.
3: The Supreme Court has ruled that sectarian prayer at town meetings does not violate the First Amendment. After rulings on Chutet versus the Coalition to Defend Affirmative Action and Citizens United versus the Federal Election Commission, those on the left are losing faith in this institution. Are they right? to feel that way. No guessing where we're going to start. Over in Connecticut, Mr. Monaco,
1: go. The Supreme Court has an approval rate right now of about 46%. And at least the last poll I checked, it shows that Republicans actually have a lower favorability rating for the Supreme Court than Democrats do, which is interesting uh, when you consider that the Supreme Court has more conservative-leaning judges. I, I, don't, I don't understand why this branch of government has remained almost sacrosanct in, despite the fact that so few people actually know what they do. It's sort of that there's this kind of they're, they're, they become far more you know visible in, in American politics, and yet they still remain very very vague. That you know are, are they do they approve of these laws, and then all of a sudden it magically become this a law? Well, not really, because if you check precedent back in you know the the earliest days of the Supreme Court, they're just ruling on whether or not these things are constitutional. It's technically then the federal government has to you know enforce it, but as to whether we can start to claim that the supreme court is wrong or they're impartial or not you know i i do feel that politics is getting in the way of their decisions i like a few of them on the bench i think a few of them really just aggravate me every time i hear them open their mouths um they, it's like they're a relic of of another age it, it, it really is mr wright were they
3: correct in their latest judgment
2: um well i have to say my uh, i don't think my legal training is, is is up with theirs to be fair what does but, your uh, gut tell you uh, well my gut tells me that that if you if you're going if you're going to bang on about separation of church and state then there needs to be some separation of church and state otherwise uh, it um, ceases to mean very much
3: Mr Monaco you talked about the kind of right-leaning nature of the supreme court and i suppose that is the kind of reason for it as a bit of a break um on rash decisions that uh, whatever the executive might want to uh, push through so isn't it really right and proper that it's kind of a right-leaning
1: institution i know scalia said that the constitution it's it's he is a firm believer it is not a living document it is cut and dry the founding fathers were brilliant they knew what they were doing and it's up to the supreme court to say this is how the law stands you don't mess with it you don't change things you, it's by the books so in that regards there's probably something there that it, it has to be done as a conservative sort of uh, method but at the same time it, it's like they're living in a different world. How can you expect that leading prayer in a state kind of assembly, that that anything before a legislative body, that, well, what if it's a prayer that you don't agree with? What about a couple of years ago? I think it was it was back in 07, that um, a Hindu priest led the opening prayer of, I think it was the Senate session, and people started chanting over him shouting you know that there's only one god it's jesus this is blasphemy you've got the, the the american the family groups they start writing in so it's okay when it's the prayer you like but not when it's the prayer you don't like it, it, it's all of these rulings lately feel that like it's great if, it, if you benefit from it but as soon as it inconveniences or bothers you it's this is an outrage this is this is an atrocity I don't know. Some, my gut tells me that something seems, feels very fishy lately with the court. Some things are missing the state of Denmark, eh? Um, maybe- Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at MintMobile.com.
0: Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the reward-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. exactly
3: <laughs> Mr. Right um, we've only had our own Supreme Court since 2009 and um, nobody well knows. we just changed the name didn't we to be fair <laughs> you know what we did and, and I don't see why we had to I'm, I was quite happy with the Law Lords but we've established in this podcast that I'm an old fart and I don't really
2: like change I um, thought the Law Lords was uh, were preferable because it sounds a little bit like something out of Doctor Who
3: but um i think rob touched on something uh touched on something there where he said that nobody kind of knows who these people are i suppose that is kind of what you want your chief justices to be but people are very aware of the political leanings of the american supreme court justices nobody knows who ours are here and nobody knows what their political affiliations are surely that's the way it should be
2: well in a way although we tend to we tend to assume they're usually pretty tory that's that's the that's the line we tend to 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 find them hewing to and slightly out of touch um but that in itself may be a uh maybe an out of touch way of thinking about judges
3: and just to end up with you mr monaco how can the system be changed um how are justices appointed uh, can there be less antagonism
1: between the president and the senate how can go oh sorry i was gonna i was gonna offer you this there's two answers i can e- either give you a, a well thought out and educated answer or i could give you my aluminum foil on my head um crazy answer option
2: well, two Well, option option two well yeah,
1: well brefield honestly I, I feel that the Supreme Court should be run by a single brilliant AI system, and that we we just feed it all the information uh, right and, and it just yeah, wait, uh, let's have yeah. let's have option one are you, are you it is a sensible are you, podcast are you yeah, but, well, uh, this is this is, but this is a sensible answer this will have okay, Siri okay. on it no I'm just kidding um no the sensible answer is that um there really needs to be a non-partisan body that is is sort of a citizen's council and get the Supreme Court back to its original roots. That it is there, not at the, the, the beck and whim of, this, of the legislative or the executive. It is there to protect American citizens. It is there to fight back against the wishes of those who would twist the Constitution for their own benefit. It's there to protect us. The fact that we can petition the Supreme court every citizen has the right to petition the petition the supreme court but the chances of that happening are slim to none this is outrageous i i really do feel it needs to go back to that nonpartisan basis they need term limits first off it's ridiculous that a supreme court justice has the same power as a pope i mean for for, for god's sake I, 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 anyway or the ai i mean it's, it could happen
3: Now, let's get more on the news that MPs are launching an inquiry into the proposed takeover of the British drugs firm, AstraZeneca, by its American rival, Pfizer. The Business Select Committee, we learned today, will summon the bosses of both companies before it for questioning. Well, The Conservative MP, Nadeem Zahawi, sits on the Business Innovation and Skills Committee, and he's in our Westminster studio. Uh, Mr. Zahawi, thanks very much for joining us. What's going to be your first question to the boss of Pfizer, if the boss of Pfizer actually shows up?
2: Good morning, uh, Rajesh. Uh one of the first things that uh, we would want to ask is uh, what are their plans for uh, the, the jobs, the important jobs, uh, that are uh, part of AstraZeneca's long-term strategy um, of developing their business uh, and understand that better because some of the learnings from some of the takeovers in the past, like Kraft and others, is in the heat of the moment. Um, you know, some uh, 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 managements will promise more than they can deliver.
3: Simply, should UK politicians get in the way of the proposed deal between Pfizer and its takeover of AstraZeneca? Missed right over in Dublin representing all things good and true, i.e. the UK. Let's start with you.
2: Um, no, not usually.
3: (laughs) Please please expand, sir.
2: In general, I don't think politicians should get involved in those deals. Uh, but it, the reality is they always do. So it, it's tricky. I mean, in the case of the, the Pfizer-AstraZeneca deal, the big problem there was that there, were, there seems to have been a sense that the government was really cheerleading for Pfizer um, at the expense of... AstraZeneca which is you know the domestic UK company so yeah it's it's kind of it's it's problematic I mean you want a neat tidy answer on that I don't really have one
3: uh Mr Monaco we can't trust uh, Pfizer because <laughs> they've made these promises before and then said, oh, we're not going to close down these labs. And, the, and then two twos, bang, labs have closed and they've taken over other con- country. sorry, other companies. How would this play if it was the reverse situation in the US? How would, um, how would Americans feel if a, a key uh, bit of their industry was about to be poached, let's say, by the Japanese?
1: Oh well, if it was a foreign company, I mean, especially if it was a non-European company, you'd be sure that that people would be putting on, you know, tricorner hats and and getting on <laughs> their soapboxes and, and and you know <laughs> screaming bloody murder. But uh, you know, if you're if you're if if it was an American company buying up another American company, or even or even a European country, that it would implying that this would be a bad thing is implying that capitalism is wrong, which is essentially standing up to the world and saying you're, you're a bloody terrorist. So that would not fly. But the, the the question is, is that we're going through our own thing right now with, with two major uh, uh, telecom companies, cable companies, Time Warner and, and Comcast here, which is that's a whole other thing. But what does Pfizer gain besides lots of money from doing this and what do these politicians gain from you know holding it up that's the question that should be asked so Mick oh, I think oh we
3: we all kind of have a kind of rough consensus on this that we kind of think that we should kind of have a say but we feel that we getting in the way of kind of commerce but surely the whole point of this is that this is a strategically important British company that has thousands of jobs in a very important part of the economy and we can't just see those jobs uh, wander away so surely a little bit of kind of political strike government oversight is needed here
2: it is i'm just uh, suspicious that the oversight from this particular government will be well actually any of the governments we've had in the past sort of 20 years they they're they're pro-business to the point of uh, uh, to a fault really and i think you know we've shown Pretty bad form in in selling uh, UK companies to foreign buyers in deals that don't serve us well, and the government's very often had its hand in that.
1: I mean, I think we're all we may we may be suspicious about certain things, but like ultimately, these if there's no law that prevents this and a monopoly is, and I don't I don't know how Britain's laws work, you know, in relation to that. But if there's no threat of a monopoly and there's you know, only profits to be gained and nothing is, you know, no laws being broken. What's the problem?
3: No, but the the problem is, as I kind of outlined it before, is that potentially you're seeing a very strategically important part of the economy um, wander away. That this is science at its highest end. Um, There are lots of uh, related industries built around it thousands of jobs Uh, you know this is important to the british economy or at least it's important that there are safeguards that research and development will still happen within the uk yeah but that would
1: require the government to to physically step in and deny you know Business as normal, and and I think that that sets a dangerous precedent, though. That you know, well, if this can't happen, then what else can't happen? And and, you know, what 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 is considered to be you know a valuable natural sort of you know this is this is of national interest. Where does where does it stop? I you know I don't know if you know this, but the largest pork producer in this in this country, Smithfield, was bought out by a Chinese company, and. You know, I haven't followed really up on it since then. But there, there was significant fear that you know, what are we? We're going to have pork now in this country that's at the level of like Chinese standards, where you're you're making pork dumplings with cardboard in them, and 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 this was and this is legitimate. You know, oh my God, we're losing part of our economy now to these these standards. I don't know what's happened since then, but I guess you know, if I'm playing devil's advocate, where does the precedent you know start, and then where does it end, really? Mm. Is
3: there, so really we're all just saying this is a logical kind of conclusion of globalisation and the jobs will go where they go and really national governments have no real reason kind of getting in the way of this is that right Mr Wright?
2: no I'm saying, I'm saying I would like to see oversight of these uh, these deals but I just don't have a lot of confidence in, in our government to do that properly
3: now let's go on to our takeaways of the week and let's start in sunny Connecticut. Mr. Monaco, tell us what has kind of excited, illuminated or
1: interested you in the last 14 days. Oh boy. Well, it's been it's been very busy for me and to everybody who listens to my actual, my history podcast, I, I apologize for all the delays. I have some really, what, really... What history podcast? Oh, 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 oh i'm so sorry you know it's so it's called it, the podcast history of our world it's, it, it's a little no thing. no
3: that's no it's about as timely as your
1: new website i think oh, well my my new website yeah <laughs> the new website in development yeah well i i have been extremely busy i have some really cool things happening that i can't talk about yet um but the way i've been spending my my downtime when i haven't been having a nervous um you know conniption fit is um i i've been i've been playing the video game xcom like relentlessly this this thing is is brilliant if you have not played xcom and you are into that stuff you owe it to yourself to play it it's 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 highly addictive mr wright what's been your takeaway
2: oh you know what actually i, I was thinking about whether i had one and then when we were talking about the supreme court earlier i thought uh isn't one for the past couple of weeks is just i was just thinking back to it should watch if if you want to see a really good um film which Features a very interesting petitioning of the Supreme Court. Watch the people uh, versus uh, Larry Flint. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant film, uh, and uh, you know he went and petitioned the Supreme Court and won. And it's awesome. Yeah. So it's a good uh, it's a it's a good story of anti censorship fighting it's quite funny and Courtney Love is in it and actually does quite a good performance um, <laughs> but It all seems un- inconceivable <laughs> uh, Woody
3: Harrison's very good in it isn't he he's yeah. amazing in it yeah, yeah he's yeah. Brilliant in it. um my takeaway is that uh, commuting which is the bane of modern modern working life is actually quite a good thing Um, or at least it has its place let's put it that way Um, I've been working from home for quite some time now and I'm just starting to realise that uh, my work-life balance is somewhat out of kilter and because I work from home all the time I find myself working at 10 o'clock in the evening when I should be spending time with the family and what commuting does allow you to do is quite neatly gear up and gear down from work and have very clear boundaries so um, not that I want to start working for the man in inverted commas I'm still quite happy to to work for myself and have an array of clients but um, I need to stop working from home so for me my take over the last uh, 7 days 14 days is that commuting has its place. Mr. Wright, um, how can people get hold of you if they want to?
2: Follow me on Twitter at Broken Bottle Boy. I haven't been tweeting that much in the past few days, but I'm going to come back strong.
3: Good,
1: good. And you, Mr. Monaco in Connecticut? Uh, you can find me on Facebook. It's the Podcast History of Our World or Twitter at Podcast History. And I too have been neglecting my Twitter duties for XCOM. Sorry. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and you can uh, tweet me at Roy R O I F I E L D, on the Twitters if you want to. Also, you can uh, tweet us at Mid Atlantic Show. We also have a Facebook Page that you can kind of um, follow us on. So go to Facebook, type in Mid-Atlantic Show and then uh, you'll bump into that. The website is midatlanticshow.com. Um, if you want to post a message because no one's done that for um, a couple of shows now, please go onto our website and we have a voicemail button. Hit that, it's a red thing over on the right and uh, by uh, the magic of the interweb, you'll have a message and your voice will be heard on there the show that has been mid-atlantic show see you all not in 14 days time because actually we're going to move our recording days to wednesday so that means as of next week thursday there will be a new mid-atlantic show then after that it'll be the show will be um with you every second thursday see you all again in um, a little while bye (laughs) (laughs) i tell you what i'm going to do that that was quite sweet mick it was quite sweet